Baron? What's up, Salmo? The the helping in the back is actually I just I have all this like neck pain and back pain all of a sudden which is really cramping up. I just went to the back and made up. Can you hear about that? So I'm praying for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But let's uh let's open up in prayer. <laughs> no doubt. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for um, all that you are, Lord. Yeah, we just come to this place together that we may worship you, Lord, that we may just bring glory to your name, Father, by just um, giving praises where praises are due. We just pray, Father, that at this time, uh, Father, that you just begin to um, open up the ears of our hearts, open up our eyes, Lord, Father, that we may hear what you hear and see what you see, Lord, Father, that you would, Father, give us the per uh, perception of faith, God. Oh, Lord, that we get a, a faith perspective right now, Lord. Yeah. And as they, uh, as we begin to hear your word, may faith begin to rise up, yes. Father. And I just pray that all the works of the devil, Lord Father, would begin to uh, get destroyed. Father, that as your word goes out, Lord Father, that chains would be loosened. I pray, Father God, that all the attacks of the enemy, even right now, to try to distract, oh Lord Father, your people, we just take authority and we bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that your love is unfailing. And just like all those praise songs that we're singing, Lord, Father, that it is your love that sets us free. And we just pray for just a fresh revelation of your love, Father. And from that revelation, God, may it flow from us and may we love others, God, as you love us. We just worship you and we thank you in your son's precious name. We promise you. Amen. Amen. And then proceed to fight over him. And so it's a passion that we have. A passion 
for babies. And so, to give you an example of the difference between Krishna and myself, when we drive down the street, uh, he will see the nice suit on the guy walking by. He'll see the sale going on in the store. Uh, he'll see uh, possibly someone that we know that's walking at the bus stop. Uh, what I see is I see cute little baby feet sticking out of the stroller. I see troll-like hair. Troll hair, you know, of a baby strapped to his mother. And, uh, you know, a cute little baby girl holding on to her father as she's riding on his shoulders. So I see babies. For some reason, my eyes are like, phew. It just opens up and all I see is babies. My husband can testify. Right, honey? Yeah. <laughs> and so I could care less about the suits. I miss out on the sale that's going on in the store. And I don't realize that our church member is walking right next to us. But I do see babies. <laughs> and I think that, you know, again, this is a passion that the Lord gave me. Babies are God's creation. Amen? Amen. And as funny as some of them can look, they're so beautiful in their own very special way. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I'm going to speak to this. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And so something that I learned from my passion for babies is the power of touch. You know, when premature babies are born, uh, they're placed in an incubator. And uh, they're left there for however many days or weeks that they need to sort of uh, develop. Because preemies are underdeveloped, and they can't regulate their body temperature. And so they need to put them in, as Brian was a preemie baby, him and his twin, right? As they put them in an incubator, it regulates their body temperature until this baby is developed and ready enough to kind of stay on its own. So here are these preemie babies in incubators. And if you ever see an incubator, they have holes on each side. And those holes are for arms to sort of reach in for you to touch the baby. And research has shown that babies that are massaged in the incubator, they actually uh, receive all these health benefits. And they have a higher chance of surviving. And so there's this uh, institution. It's called uh, Touch Research Institute. And at this institute, okay, uh, it's all dedicated to research based on the power of touch. Not only for babies, but for the elderly, for the sick. And they say, uh, as they research more and more, they're finding out that the power of touch really brings forth what they say, healing. Right? Faster healing. Or uh, a greater will to survive, a greater will to push through. And so they have this research uh, wing specifically for premature babies. And these babies, they get three massages a day, 15 minutes long. And these massages go from their head all the way to their tiny little feet. Okay? And, uh, usually the nurses get the massage with oil or with lotion. And they get like a full body well done. Okay? Three times a day, mainly. And the results <laughs> that they see is compared to a baby that's of the same size and same condition, Babies that are massaged are more uh, noticeably alert, active, and responsive. In fact, their immune system grows stronger quicker because they gain weight 47% faster than those who don't get massaged. That's a very big difference. And so as they study these two different categories, they realize that yes, the power of touch is one that is, you know, can border the life and death for these babies. Because not all three need to survive, right? And um, so the touch, touch is vital. 
event for us since none of us have baby or are pregnant, at least to my knowledge. And uh, while New Philadelphia Church is without physical babies, we do have spiritual babies. Amen? And believers that are just uh, recently reborn, or believers that might have grown up in the church but have not yet fully developed or have fully matured, can all be considered spiritual babies. And so as a church, uh, we're called to be a hospital. And just as this hospital, this research center, has understood the power of touch, we too need to really understand the power of the touch of God's love. For all those that are underdeveloped, immature, I'm not telling us to massage them for 15 minutes, but spiritually, <laughs> in love, we are to care for them and manifest the touch of God's love. Amen? Amen. You know, we're holding on to a prophetic word at the New Philadelphia Church. And this word is uh, for numerical growth. Amen? Amen. Do you guys yes. believe that? Yes. And this numerical growth is not based on transfer growth, not from church to church, but it's a growth that's birthed from our spiritual growth. And I believe that's directly correlated with power evangelism. Yes. So we've been going out evangelizing. Uh, seeing, you know, recently we went to Eton the other day and we saw our business card on the street of Taiwan. And that may be sad for some, but I was really happy because we must be really attached to Taiwan for someone, you know what I mean, for our car to be on the street. So I'm like, you know what, hallelujah. Maybe someone else will see the car and pick it up. You never know how God uses those things. And so we have this power evangelism heart that God's giving us. And when people are recently converted, guess what? Our baby department is going to get really, really busy. And so we need to understand how do we love these spiritual babies? How do we touch these spiritual babies so that they can grow and mature and develop into men and women of God? You know, we're called to be a spiritual hospital. And our, our, what's that word? Our, not our aim, our vision. <laughs> our vision is to go out and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners. And when these people come into our hospital, guess what? They're going to be broken. They're going to be hopeless. They're going to be sick. They're going to be tired. Now, how can we manifest God's love to love them back to life? Is what I want to talk about tonight. And so I want us to all turn to 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 21. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Now, for those that are visiting, we're reading from the ESV, and so we might sound a little different. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to read a verse, and you guys are going to read the next verse. So if you're all ready, just look up. Yes. He's starting from verse 7. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone, Anyone who does, does not love does not know God, because God, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. 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 So according to the word of God, God has commanded us to love one another. And this commandment extends from the revelation that God himself is love. Not only are we called to love, but God's love is perfected in us. So take another look at verse 12. Uh, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in who? In us. We're called to be his vessel. Amen. How can someone experience God's love? It is through his people. And so the first point that I want to make tonight is we are called to manifest God's love. Amen. We are called to manifest God's love. You know, love is not a matter of talk, but of action. Pastor Christian read a verse earlier during the prayer meeting, 1 John chapter 3, which talks about uh, love not being a talk, but of being a deed in action. Amen? Amen. And so let's get something straight from the beginning. We aren't called to talk about God's love, but we are called to manifest His love. See, the studies of these premature babies involve touching the baby, not talking to the baby. Although talking may have definitely been a part of the process, the same results would have not occurred had talking been the only agent. Can you imagine the nurse sitting next to that premature baby, screaming, live baby, don't die, baby. We love you, baby. Live. And then the baby all of a sudden grows 47% faster. And it sounds a little bit humorous to us, but that's how the church acts toward spiritual today. We talk so much about love, yet we don't manifest that love. Is it a surprise that people come in and out of church without understanding God's love at all? You know, speaking to this baby may seem like a sweet gesture. It's sweet, but it's without impact. Because the baby is not developed enough to understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Okay? You can say the most po 
love poem to this baby, the baby's not going to understand. But the moment you place your hands on this baby and begin to massage and touch, that is a form of communication in which this baby can understand, receive, and thrive from. And in that same way, we need to understand where we were not too long ago, where words didn't do much, but the act of love to others is what impacted our lives. Instead of a deeper revelation coming from theology or spiritual truths, I'm saying that a deeper revelation can come from a hug. It can come from inviting someone over to your place. It can come from cooking them dinner. You know, when we went to Australia last time, we went to Melbourne, and as you guys already know, we went to a church called ETS. And here, what happened was during the ministry time, uh, Christian felt in his spirit, we're going to split up. I'm going to minister to the brothers, and you're going to minister to the sisters. And what began to happen is, as I began to walk towards these sisters, and, you know, the sisters were a lot, a little bit more emotional than the brothers, you know, closing their eyes and, you know, uh, holding their hands up. But as I began to walk towards these sisters, I began to burst out into tears. And I couldn't pray, but all I did was hug. I embraced every single sister that was on the altar, and I cried with her. My idea would have been to come up with this really awesome prayer, you know, and just like prophesy into their life and be like, you will blah, 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 hallelujah. You know, but God's plan was not that at all. He just wanted me to be quiet and just to hug them. Tell them how much he loves them. And one by one, each sister broke down, got on their knees, and sobbed. Every single one. revelation of God's love that draws people closer to him. Amen? Amen. So love is not a matter of talk but of action. And we are called to manifest God's love. That's my first point. The second one is how do we love? How do we love? Let's all turn to First uh, John chapter 5 and let's look at uh, verses 2 and 3. 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Let's all read together. I'm going to read. 1, 2, 3. Love the children of God. When you love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. The first thing I want us to understand is love is obedience. You see, you'll notice that the Ten Commandments that Moses received are directly related to two actions. The first one is to love the Lord your God. And the second one is to love others. When we follow these two mandates perfectly, we would by default follow all of the Ten Commandments. And so we see that it is sin that violates perfect love. Sin violates perfect love. And so the opposite of 
love is not hate, but it is sin. Brothers and sisters, if we are answering the call to rise up, to be an army of God, we need to understand this truth. To love is to obey. And obedience is not subject to ten commandments that we're all familiar with, but we are called to obey the whole word of God. That is the whole Bible. What God commands, we are to obey. Amen? Now how does obedience relate to the powerful touch of God's love? It's when we understand that without the love of Jesus Christ crucified, there can be no such obedience. It all points to the cross. See, through the cross we receive God's endless love, and through that love we find grace to love God and to love others. We are called to love. We are called to manifest God's love, and we are called to give freely this love. But we cannot give away what we first have not received. And so in order to be an army of God that walks with the power of love, we must be living in fresh revelation of God's love for us. And that comes from rightly relating to the cross. God is love, and we're called to conform to the image of Christ, who did nothing apart from the Father. He did only what, we saw, what he saw the Father do, and that is love. So just as Christ abided in the Father, we are to abide in Christ. For according to John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Brothers and sisters, we are called to manifest God's love, but without Jesus Christ, this is impossible. And so how do we love? How can we love? We're called to love, but how do we love? We're called to love by obeying the word of God. And we're called to love by rightly relating to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And my last point is God's love advances the kingdom of heaven. And this is why the message is called the offensive love of God. For God's love is offensive, maybe not to believers, but it's offensive to Satan. And as an army of God, we need to understand that the banner we're marching under is a banner of love. God's love is not meant to be an addition, but the root of ministry. And if we desire to take back the territory that the devil has stolen, we need to understand the importance of God's love. And so let's all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. Uh, if I could get the brothers to say this verse in nice and loud. Brothers, are you ready? Alright, here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three.
but have not love, I gain nothing. This passage is diesel. It's diesel. You know, it's actually, it's hard to chew because when you look at what he's listing, it's all things that we desire. We want to speak in tongues. We want to prophesy. We want to have a love that removes mountains. But God is telling us that this is meaningless without love. It's a powerful statement. And it's one that we often forget. You know, being an army, we're chasing weapons. We're chasing the supernatural power of God, the brothers and sisters. May we never forget. May we never forget that without love, it is meaningless. Paul says, I am nothing. I gain nothing. And speaking in tongues can be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, I visited my friend in Jeffsdale one time. And, um, you know, she was part of this Korean drum uh, performance team. And she had that, you know that annoying, that symbol? She had that in her place, and when I was sleeping, I was sleeping so really late, she decided, because she had made me lunch, to wake me up with a symbol. And so she's hovering over me in bed, and all of a sudden, she went on for five, she started cracking up for five minutes, and she videotaped the whole thing. I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed. It's like the most frustrating sound to hear. Actually, do I know this? Sunni being, we have a CASA, Korean American Student Association. And there's this one uh, Korean night that I had uh, directed with a, a co-director. And we had this awesome drum performance. The thing is, their drum performance was like 20 minutes long, right? And the, the thing, the clanging symbol is the one that was going on the whole time. And it, they would always trick us because they'd be like, hey! And then they stopped, and we were like, oh, oh yeah. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. And they just went, oh, yeah. They did that like 10 times. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. And so when I read this passage, that's the first thing that came to my mind. A clanging symbol? Man, God, that must be really annoying to hear. That is not how I want my prayers to sound to you. But that's exactly how it sounds when you pray in tongues, and it's without love. That just put things in check, doesn't it? Yeah. I probably cleaned up a lot. <laughs> and so here we have, you know, all these amazing things that we're called to do. It by by no means this passage is not, you know, saying that we shouldn't seek these things. In fact, later on, if you go and read further, it says, "In love, pursue the gifts." Right? But he's saying that these gifts without love is purposeless. It means nothing. It's annoying and you gain nothing. And so we need to align ourselves with God's heart. We need to connect with His love for others. Because when we love others, we destroy the enemy's works. See, Satan in his power, he's done everything he can to try to destroy our perception of God's love. He has told you that you should guilty, that you are worthless, that you are undeserving, that you should have shame. God, Satan knows the power of God's love and knows that God is love, so he does everything that he can, not to touch God's love, because he can't do that, but to distort our perception of God's love. Remember, sin violates love, and so when Satan tempts you to sin, he's trying to cut you away 
from God's perfect love, which cut us from loving others. There's a disconnect that happens when we sin. It's like two pipes that get disaligned. Okay? And it's just missing. But when you have the love of God flowing through one pipe and it's connected by the blood of Jesus Christ, and now flows through you and you flow to others. And so the only way to restore this aligning is by the power of the blood of Jesus. So how do we know that love is powerful? I'm saying that love advances kingdom. That's, that's a big thing to say. Here we are, we're, we're fighting a war, but without love, I'm telling you guys, there's, nothing's going to happen. How do we know that love is so powerful? I thought love was flowers and and Britney Spears and bunnies and Valentine's Day. I don't know where Britney Spears came from. <laughs> but I thought love was all these other things. I've never really thought of love as a, a, a violent love, a, an army sort of love, a kingdom advancing kind of love, an offensive love. How do we know that love is powerful? Romans 5, 8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. 1 John 3, 16 says, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. How do we know that love is powerful? We know because Jesus defeated Satan with love. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, and he was being crucified for our sins, there's a passage that directly parallels that, that's found in Genesis, when God foreshadows this by saying, he will bite his heel, right? But he will instead crush his head. When God displayed the most powerful way of showing his love, the head of Satan was crushed and victory was won. Amen. That is how we know love is so powerful. The cross is a message of love, brothers and sisters. It is a restoring love, a reviving love, a delivering love, a chain-breaking love, a healing love, it is the love of God that sets us free. Amen. That is how we know that we need to align ourselves with the power of that love. God's love is offensive. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You know, Heidi Baker, I was listening to one of her testimonies. Uh, if you don't know, she has, we talk about it all the time, but she has orphanages in Mozambique. Uh, and there's this one time where uh, one of her orphan orphanages, and she has so many, caught a terrible strain of cholera. 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 <laughs> cholera. <laughs> All right. And it was such a it was an advanced strain that there was a group called the Dying Room. Right. And the Dying Room was basically all these children that could not be helped. The the, the effects had passed so much that they were hopeless. Eighty-five orphans in the dying room. And there is Heidi Baker. She considers them her own children. And she is distraught with love. And she 
thank the, the doctors. Let me see my baby. Let me see my baby. But they would not allow her in because if she walks in, she would immediately catch it for herself. It was so contagious, so advanced. And so she prayed a prayer. God, I refuse for you to let them to die. I refuse. Send an angel. Do something, Lord. I know you're on my side. And next thing you know, for some reason, the person watching the room walks away. And she thinks, this is her chance. And so she walks in without a mask, without a spacesuit, without anything. She walks in knowing that angels are beside her. And she enters this room. And inside she sees 85 babies, children, puking and having diarrhea. All over the place. All over each other. All over the room. It was a stench of death in that room. And God touched her heart and consumed her with love. And he said, love them to love. And so she picked up every single child. And she held them in her arms, puking, vomiting all over her. And she put them to her cheek. And she said, God, manifest your love. Everything, 80, all 85 children with a scent of death, she picked up she embraced and she kissed and she just asked for one thing, which is for God's love to manifest. All 85 orphans were healed. Not one died. That is the power of God's love. It wasn't this elaborate prayer that she had prayed. She just merely had to touch them. The doctor ended up giving his life to Christ. After seeing 85 dying babies all healed. Brothers and sisters, when we go out to the streets of Itawan, and by the power of God, I believe lives are going to be transformed. But the moment they walk in our church, we need to receive each and every single one of them with open arms. Like the prodigal son came home to his father. Open arms. Like the massaging of these babies, we need to touch and care for these babies, these new believers with love, a love that is unfailing. What is the point of loving them on the street and then leaving them abandoned in a church? Those babies, they take days, sometimes weeks. Spiritual babies sometimes take longer, but no matter how long it takes, we need to love them. God's love is offensive. It is powerful and it scares the devil. You know, even our deliverance and our inner healing ministry, the frontline ministry, where we do all for I want to mention, where we break bondages and we bring forth healing, this is a frontline ministry. We cannot proceed without God's love. The first thing we do when we come together is we pray, Lord, manifest your love in this May this person understand your love, your love for them. Yes. Without that prayer, it's meaningless. It's empty words. There is no power. But when we ask for God's love, he meets us. And everybody that's been through a session knows that it's not a place of judgment, but it's a place of a fresh revelation of God's love for you. It's powerful. It's offensive. God's love is offensive. 
captive to Satan. My favorite verses to cling during these sessions because we hear all sorts of stories. Abuse, rape, assault, sin, sin, all sorts of sin. We hear all these stories and sometimes I get this temptation to feel, oh, what can we do for this person? So much time has passed. This person has lived in such misery. What can we do? And the one thing that, that God always reminds my spirit is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 8. And in the NIV it says, love never fails. Father God, when someone walks in 
nonsense about your children. God, when someone walks in with guilt, may we love them to life. When someone walks in brokenness, Lord Father God, may we love them to life. Knowing that it is your love that breaks the chains of the end,